Uh, the end of last year, we began to talk to you about uh, Jesus, who he is. Uh, remember, we looked at, you know, the, 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 the Lord asked Peter, ask everybody, who do men say that I am? So we did a whole series on that. And in the beginning of the year, you know, some of you came to the church, and uh, we haven't changed in 30 years. We've always been a Holy Ghost church, but we were inspired to put up, uh, you know, uh, we're a Holy Ghost church, so uh, signs everywhere, things in there, and people have come. What's a Holy Ghost church? Well, I don't have time to re-preach that, so go listen to it, but a Holy Ghost church is not what everybody thinks it is. It doesn't mean everybody run around all the time, rolling on the floor, although I don't mind that. Hallelujah. Uh, but that's not just, that's a part of a Holy Ghost church. A Holy Ghost church is a word church because that's what the spirit of God confirms. And so then we can't leave the father out. Hallelujah. There were three in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy ghost. And so I want to talk to you because today a lot of people are trying to define who God is to you. Um, a lot of people rest scripture. They, they quote a half a scripture and, you know, and I don't mean this wrong. Sometimes people think I'm against politicians. I'm not against politicians. I'm just not going to get my gospel from them. Now, if they're born again filled with the Holy Ghost, that's fine. But still, you know, I don't need somebody else to tell me who God is. All right? And just be careful of that. Where you're getting your uh, information and your revelation from, and you and I need to make sure that we know him for ourselves, Because you need to be able to answer the question when someone asks you, who is God? This God you serve, who really is he? What's he like? What does he do? What does he mean to you? We need to be able to answer that. And so, just in way of review, last week I said that number one, God is a creator. Who is Father God to you? Number one, he's a creator. Number two, he said, there's no other God beside him. And I like the way he said it, so I can't improve on it. He said, uh, there's no other God beside me. I know not one. So God is in a class all by himself. He always has been. He always will be. He truly is the first and he is the last. He's our creator. He's, there's no other God. He's the almighty God. Your father, when one of the things we got to remember, remember is this, that God, your father, is the almighty God. He is the creator. There's never been anyone like him. That's who God is. He's the almighty and he is the great I am. And with that, we need to reverence him, honor him, respect him. I said we need to reverence him, honor him. I'll throw this one in, fear him. A holy awe of the almighty God. And it's been lost a little bit in the church, but how many of you know, and I said this before, a lot of times in modern church, people even say, well, um, you know, don't even look at the Old Testament anymore. That's a big mistake. It's a huge mistake. Number one, the Old Testament is quoted in the New. If Jesus is quoting the Old Testament, then I think it's an all right thing. And you don't want to do it away with the Psalms and the Proverbs. And a lot of the prophecy hasn't even been fulfilled yet. Isaiah is full of really cool stuff. And I'm finding out I really love the book of Deuteronomy. I really like it a lot. Because there's some character of God in there that if you bypass, because listen to me, 
The covenant has changed, but God has not changed. If he liked it in the old, he still likes it in the new. If he didn't like it in the old, he don't like it in the new. He has not changed. Even the word says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, some of you, I hear your minds buzzing, you good word people. I get it. The covenant has changed. But God has not changed. The law itself was not bad. We just couldn't keep it in our human state. That's why Jesus came. Amen. Be careful for people who say, you don't need that. Oh, you need it. Because you can find out a lot of character of God, who he is, what he wants, what pleases him, what displeases him. Now, Jesus took the brunt. <laughs> he took it all. And so I want to start. So, so are you grateful for that? Um, one of the things we said about God is he's perfect. Now, I know this one, this, is, this gets people a little touchy. But, but remember this, and you've got to get this. About, I want to get on the edge. I really want you to get it. I may come down there and preach and spit at you. God is perfect. God's perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. He can't fail. God's perfect. And then the next one goes with it. God is not a man that he should lie. God's not a man. He's not a human. And he doesn't lie. Has he not said it, will he not also do it? God is perfect. Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. The very world we live in is held together with his word. If God starts failing, I say this all the time, but it is the truth. You better grab a hold of something. Because we're we fixing to fly. We'll spin off. Because listen to me, the very world is held together with his word. He cannot fail. His word never fails. You need to get that in your heart. Because I hear a lot of people saying, I know what they're saying. They're disappointment. They're disappointed. Something didn't happen. They heard a part of a scripture. They began to do something and it didn't work out in the timely fashion that they set. And they get disappointed and they say, well, this doesn't work. God let me down. Let me, you got to get this. God has never let you down. Now, I lost half of you. God has never it's impossible for God to let you down. No, I've been let down. Not by God. Not by his word. No. You need to settle it. I'll camp on it. I got a whole new sermon, but I'll camp. Because if you don't get this, you'll be, the devil will see to it. Because he would love for you to be like Job's wife. Just curse him. Brother Hagin, one of his greatest books is a really small one. It's called Don't Blame God. And you see, the devil spends morning, noon, and night trying to get you and I to blame God, to believe the word doesn't work, that it doesn't always work. Uh, you know, uh, but, but he's never failed. He can't because he's perfect. His word never fails. Who is God? Who, what's his character? What's he like? I can tell you this, he never fails. I can tell you this, he's never let you down. A preacher may have let you down. A church may have let you down. You may have let you down. A spouse may have let you down. Your mama and daddy may have let you down. But God has never let you down. He cannot fail. Settle it. 
Well, I don't understand. That's exactly it. You and I don't understand. We don't understand. And so guess what? The Lord will show us, and we can't understand. There's some things when you're in the middle of them. This is not my message today. There's some things when you're in the middle of it you don't understand, and he can't explain it to you, but you'll figure it out maybe five years from now or ten years from now when you got revelation. And you can't have faith based on what happens to somebody else. Because you don't know the secrets of their heart. You don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't, uh, please, I've done this a long time and I've had people say one thing publicly and tell me the whole truth and nothing but the truth privately. Especially in our circle. Because they don't want anyone correcting them in public. But what they really believe comes out. God is perfect. God never fails. His word never fails. If I fail, then that doesn't mean God is going to fail. If you fail, that doesn't mean God's failed. It just means we're human. And aren't you grateful? And today we're going to look at some other stuff. Are you ready? I think you're ready. The other thing I know about God is he is a covenant-keeping God. What is his character? What is it like? He keeps covenant. So we're going to go through these. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. And I hope you're ready up there. Thou therefore that the Lord, he is God, the faithful God. He keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him. Do y'all love him? And he keeps his commandments. Are y'all doers of the word? To a thousand generations. So God is a covenant keeper. What's a covenant? It's an obligation made between two parties. And God has made a covenant with us. And in Exodus chapter 2 verse 24, it says this. It says, and God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant. So what does God remember? He remembers the covenant. God remembered his covenant. He didn't just remember people. He remembered the covenant he made with those people. And he said, I remember the covenant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many of you know the children of Israel were in a mess? And they, you know, maybe had forgotten about God, but they got to the place where they needed God. And they invoked their covenant. They said, remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then God sent a deliverer. God is a Covenant keeping God. Psalms 89, 34, the New Living Translation says this. No, I will not break my covenant. One thing you got to understand about God is he is a covenant keeper. If he made a covenant, if he told you what he was going to do, he said, I won't break it. He said, I won't break it. We on the human side can break it, but on God's side, it's never broken. He said, I, I love this, I will not take back a single word. I will not take back a single word. Glory to God. Psalms 105, 8 through 11, New Living Translation. He always stands by his covenant. So if he makes a covenant, he's going to keep it, every word of it, and he's going to stand by it. He said the commitment he made to a thousand generations. Verse 9. That is the covenant. So this just makes it clear. The covenant he made with Abraham. The oath he swore to Isaac. Verse 10. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of the Israel as a never-ending covenant. What is it? Verse 11 tells you. It says, I will give you the land of Canaan for your special possession. So guess what? No matter what anybody does, Canaan belongs to the people of Israel. And nobody can do anything about it because God's going to keep his covenant. He's a covenant keeper. 
What, who is God? Well, he keeps his covenant. How long? To a thousand generation. He remembers his covenant when invoked. He will not break his covenant. He, he's faithful to stand by his covenant. Let's look at Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, NIV. It says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God. How many know he's a great and awesome God? Who keeps covenant of love with those who love him. Do you love him? And keeps his commandments. Hebrews 8, 6. But now he's obtained a more excellent ministry, talking about Jesus, by how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant. So there's the old covenant, there's a new covenant, you have a new and better covenant. So we got better than they did in the old, but how many of you know Jesus is the mediator of that? But I wanted you to see you still have a covenant today because of Jesus. So if you have a covenant, it's established on better promises, God is still a covenant keeper. And so he's keeping his covenant with you. So what's he saying to you? I'm going to keep my covenant to this generation. Whatever they call your generation. X, Y, Z, I don't know. Whatever they call you. God's going to keep his covenant with you if you love him and keep his commandments. He's going to rem- if you'll invoke the covenant, he'll remember it. If you'll invoke the covenant, he'll keep it. I don't have time. There's so much you can teach on covenant. I just want you to know that number one, he, he is a covenant keeping God. Hallelujah. So in the light of that, God is a covenant keeping God. Why did he do that? And you see it in that, some of those scriptures, because God is love. How many know God is love? Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord has appeared of old, saying to me, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness has I drawn thee. So who is my father? Who is God? Well, he's a covenant keeper, and he keeps his covenant because he loves us. Because he loves us. Why? Because God is love. And you know this scripture, but let's look at it. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. First John. First John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. First John 4, 7 and 8 says, uh, I'm going to read out of the King James. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So we're supposed to do what? Love one another. Why? Because God is love. For love is of God. Verse 8. He that loves not knoweth not God, for God is love. Everybody say, God is love. God is love. I mean, that's pretty clear. God is what kind of love? Agape. The God kind of love. One of the distinctive marks of a believer, because the love of God, according to Romans, has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. One of the distinctions you and I should have is the love of God and that we love the brethren, not because we like the brethren, not because the brethren are like us, not because the brethren look like us, not because the brethren this, not because of the brethren that, but because God's love is shed abroad in our heart and we love the brethren. It is a test. Do I love God? Is the love of God in me because I love the brethren? Not I like the brethren, not I look like the brethren, not I even vote like the brethren. The Bible says, I don't care. The Bible says, the Bible says that God is love and a distinctive mark about you and I is we ought to be able, how are we ever going to love the world if we can't love one another? Why do you think the devil's always trying to stir everything up? He's trying to get people at odds with one another. Lay some things aside and just love one another. 
My spiritual father used to say this, everybody don't understand tongues, but everybody understands love. Just love. Why? Because God is love. God is love. Let's look at 1 John 9, 1 John 4, 9 through 11. 1 John. And this was manifest the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. How many know John 3, 16? For God so are you grateful for that? Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that he might live through him. Verse 10. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We didn't start this. He did. We're just supposed to respond to him. He started this because he loved us. From the beginning, he loved us. He loved you in the womb before you did anything right or wrong. He loved you. He loved you and believed so much in you that he planned out your future. And it was good. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also do what? I preached a little early because that's where I was going to talk to you about the other stuff. But we ought to love one another, right? Amen. Then we already looked at John 3.16. Now, how many of you know that a lot of people, when it comes to life right now, when they do things wrong or they live in and practice sin, one of the things they'll say, well, Jesus loves everybody. God loves everybody. He loves me just the way I am. And it is true, God loves everybody. But if he loves you, if you're a really child of God, then he's going to fix you. Hebrews is still part of the New Testament, isn't it? How many, how many of you know if God really loves you? How do you know if God really loves you? Well, he just leaves you alone, lets you do whatever you want, whenever you want. You run out in front of the semi, he's like, have it your way, hallelujah. Uh, um, if you, if you want to get off into sin, he's like, whatever, I love you. That's not what he does. The Bible says if you're a real son and not illegitimate, then he'll correct you. Praise the Lord. The only time you should worry is when God quits correcting you. If he's not bothered anymore, he's not bothered by my sin, that's a real problem. It's a real problem. That probably means our hearts have gotten calloused And our conscience seared. Because he never quits dealing. But we can quit hearing. Aren't you glad he loves you? He loves me a lot. Hallelujah. He loves me a lot. Keep on loving me. Lord. He is love. And you know some modern people. You know how many know God is love? God is love. But love is not a wink and a nod. Do whatever you want love. Hopefully you don't do that with your children. Right? So in that vein, are you excited? God loves us, but he's also a very jealous God. Uh Uh-oh, I thought we weren't supposed to be jealous. Well, let's see what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 4, 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. So the same Deuteronomy by the Holy Ghost said God is love. Now it's saying that God is a jealous God. 
Can you be a God of love and jealous at the same time? Well, I think the scripture says you can. Exodus 34, 14. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord whose name is, his name is jealous, is a jealous God. Everybody say God is jealous and his name is jealous. So what does that mean? Well, just in case you didn't know, he pulled it over into the new covenant. And he said in 2 Corinthians eleven two, he said, I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste version to Christ. In other words, how can we understand that? James chapter 4, verse 4 with the Amplified Classic. He's like, and, and so uh, I trust this is not me and you, but let's read it anyway. You are like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, who is God? He's jealous. And do you suppose that the scripture speaking with no purposes says, the spirit whom he has caused to dwell in us yearns over us and he, yearn, and he yearns for the spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. With a jealous love. Can we finish this out? Verse six. But he gives us more. No, that's, our, that's another scripture. That's another, that's another thing. We'll just stop at five. Go back to five. He yearns for us with a jealous what? Because, well, we're taught, taught not to be jealous. Well, not jealous out of your flesh, but God is a jealous God, and there's no way getting around it. And so to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. And just really plain in verse 4 of James, what? Let's go back and look at it, just in case, we, you know, because I know we don't look at this very often. You are like unfaithful wives. What is that? Adulterous. Don't commit spiritual adultery and don't commit natural adultery. Amen. Why? Because God is jealous. And, I, and you know what? This jealous God will take really good care of you. If you'll keep yourself only unto him all the days that you shall live, he will provide for you. He will take care of you. Hallelujah. He has espoused us to one. We have, all of us have one. I mean, God... It's, it's interesting, it's hard to explain as a man, you know, kind of, go, it kind of makes me flip a little bit. But, you know, Jesus is our husband. Jesus, God, there's so many relationships. But in this one, he's very, he, God is love, but he's also very jealous. And, and he just wants our love back to him. Everybody good? So, so God is a covenant keeper. God is love. God is a jealous God. I never really saw that before in Deuteronomy. It just says his name is jealous. I think I've read over that probably a thousand times, but it really just jumped up, slapped me on both sides of the cheek. He is a jealous God. And he's tired of sharing. We've got to choose. I don't know about all the craziness out there, but, you know, me and my wife, we decided our vows were good. We're going to keep them. Amen. 
And there's forgiveness for people. I get that. But it's better not to need it. And the way the world is, listen to me, the devil is doing everything in his power to pull the church away from God and away from the love of God, away from us being effective. And God is just, I, I think, on the other hand, he's just putting his foot down. In, in his love, in his way, he's not a taskmaster. He's not mean. He's not angry. He's just saying, this is who I am. If you're mine, I'd like for you to stay just with me. Because I'm jealous over you. With a, with a, it, it, but his jealousy is a pure jealousy. Because it comes from God. And it's good. And it's good. Hallelujah. So I sandwiched that one. I mean, love, jealous. God is a merciful God. <laughs> I, I put him in the middle. I just gave you a sandwich. He's love. The meat is he's jealous. The other piece of bread is he is merciful, though. Are you grateful God is merciful? Deuteronomy again. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 31, I believe. For the Lord thy God is a merciful. Who is God? Who is your father? What are his characteristics? What are his qualities? Who is he really? Let the word define him. Let the word of God define him to you. Who is he? He, He is love. He is jealous, but he's also merciful. Merciful. What is mercy? Mercy is getting something you didn't deserve. It's full of, God's full of compassion and mercy. For the Lord God is a merciful God. He won't forsake you. He won't destroy you. He, he won't forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore unto you. Everybody say, God is merciful. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. He tells us, be merciful because your father is merciful. In other words, again, as a son, as a daughter, we should act like our father. And the Bible says God is merciful. Are you grateful that God is merciful? Are you grateful? I mean, really grateful. I'm really grateful that God is merciful. What's he asking us to do? To do that to other people. Be merciful. Turn to your neighbor and say, I give you mercy. Ephesians 2, 4. But God doesn't just have a little bit. He is rich in mercy. Your father is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. He's the Father. Mercy originated with him. He's the Father of mercies, and he's the God of all comfort. Lamentations 3, you know this one, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions, they fail not. I love this next verse. They are new every morning. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Great is your faithfulness. Let's look at this in the New Living just because I want to really get you. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Everybody say his mercy never ceases. 
Verse 23. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies. That doesn't mean you do things so, you know, just live any way you want. And then, okay, be merciful to me again today. No, it's just he's, he's merciful. He's kind. God is merciful. I said God is merciful. Aren't you grateful? He's a merciful God. So he's a covenant keeper. Aren't you glad he keeps covenant? His word never fails. Hallelujah. God is love. God is love. He wants us to show love. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want us playing footsie with the world. He'd like us to make up our mind. You know, it's like the Ten Commandments. I said, you know, people say, well, we don't have to keep those anymore. If you'll walk in the two, you'll keep the ten. The ten aren't bad. I mean, which ten, which one is it okay to do now? Is it okay to have other gods? Is it okay to lie? Is it okay to commit adultery? But they're fulfilled, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two, you'll, you'll do all ten. Amen? And those laws aren't just written outwardly. I don't know that you need them written outwardly anywhere. Because the Bible says he wrote them on your heart. Even people who didn't have the word, when they got born again, they began to do them. The Bible says they began to do them. Why? Because something on the inside had changed and the Lord had written them on their hearts. There ought to be a change. Now, who is your father? Well, he's love. He's jealous. He's merciful. But then let's just look at this as we carry on this um, series later. But I just want to give you a taste. One of the, come on, listen to me. He's God Almighty. He's the creator. Everything we see was created by him. I, I, I want a bigger picture for me and you of the awesomeness of God. I think in sometimes the way we teach, because I, especially me, I like to teach daily, using scripture for daily living. Everything in the word of God applies to every part of my life. But in sometimes in doing that, if we don't visit back to the source on a regular basis, this is an awesome God. This is the great I am. This is the creator. This is the one who was, there was no beginning and, and there is no ending. And that should make your mind go tilt. Because you can't figure it out. So you can't figure this out with your mind. You just know it in your heart. Where did God come from? He's just God. No, he came from, no, he's just God. There's no one else like him. Settle it. He is God and everything he says is right. And he's not a man that he should lie. And he's perfect. And he's the great I am. And he's love. And he's jealous. And he's merciful. And he'd like to keep covenant with you. And he really, really, really wants to be your father. 
He really, really wants to be your father. But think about this. He's the awesome, almighty God, and he's your father. And if you can meditate on God as my father and everything who he is, it'll change your relationship. It'll increase your faith. It'll cause you to be able to go places that you've never gone before. It really will. So John chapter 20, verse 17. I love the Amplified here because the King James leaves a different uh, connotation. But remember Mary was at the tomb of Jesus. And Jesus said to her, her don't cling to me. He didn't, the King James says, don't touch me. But all other translations mostly say, don't cling to me. Don't hold me here. Because she was just so happy. He's alive, just like he said. He said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to, this is where everything begins to change. He said, go to my brethren. How many of you know the Bible teaches us that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren? Your bro- Jesus is your elder brother. Again, you got to get a hold of that because, no, he's Savior. He's Lord. That, that messes. No, he is all the, you got to be able to keep him at everything he says that he is. But he also wants you to see him. I'll just, you know, if you were here on Wednesday nights, we got really happy about this, that we're heirs and joint heirs. Joint means co-equal. Someone needs to hear this this morning because they weren't here Wednesday night. I said that if Ollie and I had the same daddy, and it, you know, it could pass, it happens. If Ollie and I had the same dad and we got left, uh, the, the, if Ollie and I were joint heirs, we were co-equal heirs of everything our father left us, that means we share everything. If he had two houses, we have two houses. If he had five cars, we have five cars. Not all he has two and a half and I have two and a half. We have five cars together. No, because you're used to dividing everything. No, you're used to dividing everything. Jesus says we have it together. Why? Because God is your father. And we're heirs and joint heirs. Jesus said everything the father has is mine and I'm going to give it to you. Everything. That takes her up. He said, I got to go to my brethren. Uh, I have to ascend to my father and marry your father. Everything begins to change right here. He's no longer God. He's no longer just God. He always has been God. He's always had the desire to be a father. Because even through the old covenant, it talks about him as a father. But he couldn't be a father to them. They were servants because of the fall of Adam and Eve. One of the greatest thrills of God was to be able to call us children again. And so that's why Jesus gave his father one of the greatest gifts he could ever give them, becoming our elder brother. Laying down his life so that we could get back into the family. And how do I know that? Because one of the first things he said when he was resurrected is, I got to go to my father and your father. To my God and to your God. Now, that one blows your mind a little bit. He called Jesus, called God my God. (laughs) Interchanges father and God there. But he's like, he's my father, now he's your father. Go tell my brethren. 
Go tell my brothers. It, to see God as a father is very important. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temples of the living God. Everybody say, I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. And God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. How many know God said, I'm going to be their God? You're my people. Everybody needs people. He said, you're my people. Verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them. That was my mamaw's favorite scripture to me. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. She said that to me once. She said that to me a thousand times. She knew that one. Hallelujah. Says the Lord, and touch not the unclean things and I will receive you. Verse 18. And will be a father to you. I'm, gonna be a, I'm not just going to be God to you and you're going to be my people. He said, but if you will understand you're the temple of the living God and come out from among them and be separate and not touch the unclean things, I'm going to be a father to you. And you're going to be my sons and daughters. And then I love the way he finishes it. Says the Lord Almighty. Says the Lord Almighty. Not forgetting that he is God Almighty, but God Almighty has just become your father. People get all excited about natural inheritances and maybe if their natural daddy is famous or some NBA player or, or some musician and daddy's got this and daddy's got that, hallelujah, uh, that's fine. But my daddy is God Almighty. <laughs> Top that. <laughs> hallelujah. Romans 8, 15. You have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Everybody say, I'm free. But what have you received? The spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Let's look at Galatians 4, 5 through 7. To redeem that we're under the law that we might receive the adoption of son. Everybody say adoption. Verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, I think. Where more you are no more servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Everybody say adoption. I understand something about this one. God literally chose us. Adoption is very special. Someone on purpose. Someone that didn't belong to them. Someone loved them with a love and they decided to love them, to take care of them, to honor them, give them their name, put them at a part of equal inheritance. Adoption is beyond cool. And you'll find that that is a word used that you and I were adopted. 
But adopted doesn't have a stigma with it. Adopted to God means co-equal. It means everything is the same. And um, it is such a tremendous thing. Yes, you were adopted, but you're real sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Jesus, the only begotten son, the only begotten, decided, you know what? I want them all as brothers and sisters. I'm not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. And so listen, if he ain't ashamed of us, we ought not be ever ashamed of him. And with that spirit of adoption, then we cry, Abba. Now you all know what Abba means. Literally means daddy. 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 He's a real daddy. He chose you. If you haven't chosen him back, he wants you to. If you've chosen, maybe when you were a child, you got born again, but you've chose to go somewhere else, he really wants you to come back. He gave his life for you. He really just wants us to know who he is. And you know, that's 10. I gave you 10 just because 10 seemed like a good number. But how many of you know there's more and more? And we're going to get into some different ways of looking at who God is um, as we go further into this. But for me, those some of the top 10, if I know those things about God, then I can respond to him better. I can figure out who he is. And if I can figure out who he is, I can figure out who I am. He's a good father. I said he's a very good father. And your father is God. And he's Abba. And he's almighty. And he loves you, yet he's jealous over you. He's merciful and kind. He's merciful and kind. He's merciful and kind. And he would love to show you his mercy and his kindness.